welcome to episode two of TV Sessions. My name's Gabe, and I'm once again joined by my co-host Luke. And for today's episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Game of Thrones. How's it going, Luke? You excited for this? Yeah, it's going good. Good to be here for this one. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm, I'm excited for this, especially because our first episode we didn't really get to go in depth. Um, we just gave a general overview. But for this one, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of analysis and talk specifics. Um, get get a little nerdy with this because <laughs> there's a lot of terms in like Westeros and stuff. It, it'll yeah. be pretty fun. Um, <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll just do a brief outline of how this is gonna go. So we're just gonna start with non-spoiler talk just right off the bat for the beginning we're going to talk about how we first heard about the show how we first got into it when we got hooked how fast we binged it um that kind of stuff before we get into the spoiler talk so uh luke how how, how did you get into game of thrones yeah so i started watching in 2016 which was my junior year in high school um <clears throat> right. it was right it was right after season six had aired so i didn't like i only watched the last two seasons live right but yeah my brother was a fan of the show because his friends put him onto it. So he's like, dude, you got to watch this show. Mm-hmm. It, it surpassed Breaking Bad as my favorite show of all time. You have to watch it. So naturally, like, I went into it. I'm like, and at the time, Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. I'm like, dude, this is bullshit. Nothing's going to pass Breaking <laughs> Bad. So when I first started, it started out, I didn't love it right away because I just kept comparing it to Breaking Bad. And yeah. I see, like, that's yeah. hard. There are two different shows. So very different shows. Very different shows. Yeah. 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 And like I was, there were so many characters. I wasn't expecting it to be such a large scale show. And it was before like I really appreciated TV too. So I'm like, this is hard to keep track of all these characters and these Mm storylines. But um, I watched the first season, first season and a half. And then I'm like, yeah, this is too much. But then I went back, rewatched that first season and a half. It clicked with me. And then I was like sold from there on the whole thing. Watched all the first watched the first six seasons then um i watched season seven when that came out we watched the show about three more times before season eight came out and by then i was just like it was like arguably my favorite show of all time by then that's yeah, so you, you became a diehard at that point <laughs> yeah diehard fan yeah 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 that's that's actually similar to me because you you have an older brother right yeah yeah so i have two older brothers and they both watched the show before me um and they were they at least one of them i'm not sure both of them but at least one of them was watching Game of Thrones since it aired, like every week since season one started. So like, it was like, what, 2011, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So at least one of my brothers had seen it since the very beginning. Uh, for me, very similar to you, actually, I binged, but it was just a, one season earlier. So it was when season five finished, I believe, was when I really heard all this hype about it. Um, same with you. I had, I had only seen a few shows at that time. I don't remember exactly what my favorite show was. It was probably Lost at the time, um, but I had seen Breaking Bad. I didn't like Breaking Bad that much on my first watch it was it was my rewatch of Breaking Bad where I was like this is one of the best of all time um but yeah I I guess it was yeah after season five when I heard all this hype my brothers were really telling me to get into it I knew it was complex and there was a lot of characters um I did hear a lot that a lot of people died um so I don't know if those were spoilers but I just I knew very vague things just a lot of people died and there was a lot of characters and it was fantasy and I'm not a big fantasy person so I was like eh. um yeah. but but yeah my my first watch, I I was pretty. It was hard to follow off the bat um, in season one, but yeah, I guess I, I did binge it pretty quick, like probably a few months. I, I binged for those first five seasons, and I think it was around towards the end of season one. I was pretty hooked. I'd say like that. That was the big thing that happens at the end of season one that yeah. sure we'll get into when we talk spoilers. That mm-hmm. that was when I was pretty hooked. Watched the whole thing, and then I started watching it live. 
Um, and then when I watched season six live and season six ended, that was probably the highest point of my fandom for Game of Thrones. Like how much I, like how much I got into it at the end of season six, I was like so into it. And I was so sad about the weight that there was going to be, uh, especially the way season <laughs> six ends on not really a cliffhanger, but it's like, you, it, it ends in a way where you, you just can't wait for the next season. So I was right. so into it at that time that I rewatched the first six seasons and I read all five books in between. And I, I don't actually read that many books, especially like complicated fantasy series like that. Um, that's the only one I've read. Um, so like the fact that I read those books was like, that was a measure of how much I enjoyed the show. I really just wanted more of it. And I was really curious to see how it all started because the books were written quite a bit before the show. Um, that's another thing I'll say just <laughs> before we get into spoilers. What, before I'd read the books, I found it kind of annoying sometimes when you'd be talking about the show and then people would just bring up the books all the time. So just, just a heads up. If, if I keep bringing up the books, tell me to stop because we're talking about the show. This is a TV podcast. So if I do that too much, just I get, be like, we should have like a counter of like the amount of times I bring up the books because I'm going to try not to, but if it happens, you got to stop me. You can't exceed 10. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best. Um, uh, it'll definitely come up at least once or twice just to explain certain things, but yeah, no, not that often. I'll, I'll, I will do my best. This is a show. This is not focusing on the HBO show here. So I'm sure who's ever in the audience, I, I'm sure at least some of them have read the books and yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's relevant. I just don't want it to like take over the conversation. Like that's all like, this is about the HBO show. Right. This, this is a TV podcast. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, that's a good, Anything else you want to add before we get into spoilers? Or? Uh, no, I think I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, okay. Sure. So this is your spoiler warning for anyone listening who has not seen Game of Thrones. I highly recommend you watch it. I know a lot of people say, um, there's people I've heard who've never seen it that don't want to watch it anymore just because they heard about the ending, like how people didn't like the ending. I would still say it's worth watching. I don't know about you. Like, I still recommend people watch it, even though the ending sucks. Like, form your yeah. own opinion. Don't just listen to what other people say about it. Um, even though you might be disappointed in the end, those first six seasons are pretty special for me. Um, it's it's still worth it for the journey. Yeah, yeah, the journey, exactly. Um, okay, let's get into spoilers. So the first thing we're going to do, now that everyone's had the spoiler warning, we're going to rank the seasons because we love lists and a big part of our deep dive podcast, we're going to be doing a lot of lists and rankings. Um, so a big one is ranking the seasons. So I'll start with you, Luke, I guess. Just how, how would you rank the seasons of Game of Thrones? Okay, um... Yeah. So for number one, I'm going to go with season three. Okay. That's my, that's, that's in my opinion. That's my favorite season at least. Season um, three. Yeah. Yep. Number two is season four. Mm-hmm. Number three is season one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> number four is season two. Number five, I got season six. Number six, I got season five and then season seven and season eight. Okay, that's very, very similar to my rankings. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a feeling that would happen going in, especially for the first four seasons being the best. Like, that's pretty universal, I'd say. Yeah. Like, most people agree on that, that the first four seasons are the best. And the yeah. last four, the la- I'll just say the last four seasons, I have the exact same rankings. Like, I have season six at, at five, season five at six, season seven, and then season eight. So, like, I have, I have six, five, seven, eight as those last four rankings. Um, yep. And then the only difference, the only one, I have season four at number one, in season three at number two and i feel That's like a lot, of, yeah, a lot of people can agree on that that those are the two best seasons season three and season four um fun fact season three and season four are actually based on one book i don't know if you knew that but um i did not yeah so the first book is the first season the second book is the second season and then 
the third book is so big and so good. Like there's so much good stuff in that third book, Storm of Swords, that they they chose to adapt it in two seasons. So season three and season four, everything that happens in season three and four are in the same are in one book. So that's how good that one book, Storm of Swords, is. It's pretty crazy how much how much good stuff happens in that book. Um, there's my first yeah. book reference, but let's get let's get back to the show. <laughs> you got um, nine left. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess like we can just talk about. The, I'll, I'll mention the big difference we have. So. I have four ahead of three for one reason. I just think there's more standout episodes for me. Like there's just, when I go favorite episodes, which we're going to do, we're going to do our top 10 episodes after the season discussion. Um, when, when I think of season four, I just think of more episodes. I think of more moments. It's just more iconic to me, despite the one big thing in season three that happens. We will get to that. But right. I think there's just more, when I rewatch the show, I look forward more to season four than to season three, especially the back half of season four. Like, those last five episodes of season four for me are like, that's the best stretch of the whole show. Like it's just mm-hmm. like five, 10 out of 10 episodes in a row for me. Like it's episode six, I believe till episode 10 of season four. That That's just like the best of Game of Thrones. There's so much iconic stuff that happens. It's so good. Um, so that's the only reason I have four ahead of three. I think I know what your argument might be for why you have three higher, but yeah, do you want to go into that? Like, why do you have three higher? Yeah. So I definitely agree that four has <clears throat> more standout episodes for sure. Mm-hmm. but um the adventures of the characters in season three right like i liked the dynamic between um jamie and brienne watching them was yeah it's it their journey is so fun and um that's where jamie's redemption arc really starts mm-hmm. and you'll see he's on my favorite characters list and that's yeah. like season three is really just like that's really where he became became one of my favorite characters and then Daenerys. Daenerys's arc. I think yeah. season three was probably her best arc, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the season where she took over. She got the Unsullied. And yeah, then, that, that scene's fantastic. That's an iconic scene. Yeah, yeah. Episode four, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And then Young Kai. That's where she got Young Kai. Oh yeah, that's that's the Dario with long hair, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They recasted him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can agree. I, I'd actually argue we could get into this when we talk season one. I think Daenerys in season one is actually my favorite Daenerys arc in the whole show. That's actually true. She's yeah, up there I, for sure. Yeah, I don't want to. I guess we can mention this early on. I, I, I don't want to get a lot of hate here, but I'll just mention it quickly. Like, I know Daenerys is very loved by a lot of people. She's not really one of my favorite characters, to be honest. Um, I don't hate Daenerys. I know a lot of people hate her, but I think she's a good character. I just, I just don't love her that much. I think a lot of her character arcs are a little boring like they kind of just they're the same thing a lot like season middle, two yeah like season two i did not like her story karth. and karth karth and then season four and five and six pretty much like all three of those seasons not that they were bad but they, they were never my favorite part of those seasons it was always the stuff in king's landing for me that that's always yeah. the best stuff um but i i would say season one daenerys is her best arc like i absolutely love her season one arc she's just so innocent and naive at the beginning and then she just turns into like really assertive turns to not take shit from people (laughs) yeah and she's just a character you really like sympathize with early on yeah but season three i just liked her rise to power in season three yeah yeah that's fair so that's that's the only reason i gave it the edge but yeah and that's that's when her dragons start to actually be effective so that's fair that's like a big moment when that dragon burns someone for the first time yeah yeah Great, great scene um, I guess we can talk, we, we're kind of in agreement here, but I think we can both talk about just how good season one is. Like, we both have season one at three. Um, yeah. I love the first season so much, especially on rewatch. Like, I'm not going to lie, my first watch, it was not one of my favorite seasons. But 
when you rewatch season one, Same. I think you could make the argument season one is the most consistent season in the whole show. Like every single episode of season one is like fantastic. Like I, I love every episode of season one. It's just builds so well. Like they really stuck to the books for it. Um, so I think that helps. That's <laughs> uh, what I was like, going to say. Yeah. Like all the great scenes that are so the dialogue, the writing, like a lot of it comes from the books, but they did such a good job adapting it. Um, and then like Ned Stark's arc, one of my favorites of all time, like any, any show, like, I don't know. I've yeah. never seen that before to have like a main character just yeah. like, do what he can, like be the good guy. He's so likable. He's trying to be honorable and he just dies at the end. Like I've never seen a show do that or like the main right. character is just like, he's just gone at the end of the season. It's pretty crazy. And that's some, that's some really bold storytelling that just like hooks you right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah. Why, why do you have season two lower than one? I guess I would ask like, um, I would say just the presence of Ned's character definitely alone puts season one ahead of season two. And then yeah. like yeah. we mentioned earlier, um, Daenerys' story arc is definitely better than in season two. Right, season, right, right. Two, season two has some pacing issues, particularly when she goes to Karth. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I would, um, I, well, we have the same rankings there. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I would guess I would add Theon and Bran like that storyline. I'm not a huge fan yeah. of that storyline. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's bad, but like there's a lot of Theon Greyjoy stuff where he goes to Winterfell and I don't think that's the best storyline either. Um, yeah. Uh, oh. it's, it's well acted. Like I think actor for Theon's great, but it's just not like, like any, I would, I prefer anything that happens in season one over that storyline. Right. Um, and then um, Robert Baratheon, he's not in season two. So season good one uh, benefits from the present. He was great. That's he was a, a great character. I, I always forget about Robert Baratheon. Fantastic yeah. character. He yeah. goes, I think it's like episode six. Yeah, or seven. I think it's seven. Seven? Um, I know that specifically when we get into top ep- 10 episodes. Um, <laughs> there's a, oh, there's yeah, something, yeah. There's a, something about episode seven that I want to say. But yeah, that, that, that is a really good point, actually. Robert Baratheon's presence. I will, just to stand up for season two, even though we're in agreement that that one is a little higher. Um, one thing that I love about season two, that season one, is Tyrion. Tyrion gets way better in season two. Yes. When he's the hand of the king. Tyrion as Hand of the King is fantastic. Like in P- season Tyrion two, Lannister. yeah, that that's what really elevates season two. Is like even though it's behind one, it's still on the same level. Like the first four seasons go together. I was like, that's the peak of Game of Thrones. I wouldn't exclude season two from that just based on how good King's Landing is. And then obviously Blackwater, like the way it culminates, it's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then I guess we can talk about why the back half of our rankings. So we're in agreement. I feel like a lot of people would have the same rankings for these last four. Um, but why do, you, why do you have six higher than five, I guess I would ask? Six is definitely the best of the post-adaptation era, for sure. And yeah. that's mainly because um, I think quality of writing-wise, it's not like levels ahead of season five or anything. But mm-hmm. I think just its payoffs and just the overall cinematic experience, particularly the last two episodes, that really mm-hmm. just puts six ahead of five. Yeah. And then we get the payoff with um, – Obviously, John coming back to life. John and Sansa reuniting. Yeah. Uh, hold the door. That middle episode of uh, season six where Odor dies. Mm-hmm. I think just big moments like that definitely puts six out of five yeah. for me. That's, that's what I would say as well. I agree with that. Um, I think, yeah, se- season six I have higher than five. Just those last two episodes. It's, yeah, the, the battle sequence. I, I will say about season five. I think the first stretch of season five, that's like the first time in the show where I thought it was a little boring and meandering sort of like, it's just a little, it's quite slow. The first half of season five, 
I don't like that many storylines that season. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. if you just think about the storylines that season, the only good storyline for me, or the only, like, A-plus quality storyline that's really good throughout is John. Like, the stuff out in the North with Stannis and, like, the Wildlings in season yeah. five. That stuff's really great. But everything else, like, even the King's Landing stuff with Cersei and the religious people, like, I like it, but it's just not on the same level as what King's Landing used to be. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I never liked Daenerys' stuff, really. So, um, and oh, big, big criticism for me of season six and season five is Arya, like her and Bravos. I, I don't like yeah. that stuff with the faceless men very much, like once she yeah. goes across the sea. I thought the faceless guy, what's his name, Jacken or whatever, Jacken Hagar. In season two, he's awesome. Like you're like really intrigued by him. And then when you get to see him more in season five and six, it's kind of it kind of ruins it for me. Like he's not as interesting and it's just... He's not this mysterious guy that pops up out of nowhere exactly like the training <laughs> stuff for her is just not interesting at all like it's just yeah. the same same thing over and over again i think a big yeah. reason why here's here comes my second book reference uh, a big reason why uh that stuff isn't great i remember i don't know the specifics so i'm sure someone who read the books can go into more detail but i do remember reading books four and five and there's not that many aria chapters like there, there's an aria chapter where she goes to bravos like she leaves like just like it happens at the end of season four and then the chapters on Arya after that, there's like not very many. There's like two or three chapters of her training and stuff. So I feel like they just didn't have that much book material to go off of. So they just had to stretch out these two chapters that they had. It might be more than two chapters, but it wasn't that much story they had to go off for Arya. And they just stretched yeah. it as long as they could. Like she goes blind in one of the chapters and I, I, they don't, she doesn't go blind till the end of season five. So they had like a whole season for Arya, where it's just like nothing really happens and then she goes blind <laughs> and then same with season yeah. six like it's just more of her training and I, I just don't like that stuff so that's what really that's a big reason why five and six are lower than the first four is there's storylines like that that I just don't like and like you mentioned the writing quality is just slightly worse like it's not really about the dialogue and conversations anymore it's more about like the big cinematic moments which are yeah. fantastic like you said the last two episodes of season six I'm sure those will come up in our episode rankings those are great episodes yeah, yeah they definitely will yeah, um, and then we don't even have to get into season seven and eight. <laughs> like, yeah, there's our there are last two. We'll we'll have yeah. a section towards the end where we talk about those two seasons and things we didn't like about the show. Yeah, and things why we didn't <clears> like <throat> the ending and that stuff. Um, but yeah, you you're good to move on to episodes or anything else? Yeah, you want to add? yeah. Let's do top ten favorite episodes. So uh, what do you, what do you have at number ten? We just want to go right into the episode rankings. So. Yeah. So at number ten, I have season four, episode nine, Watchers on the Wall. Okay, that's a really good episode. Yeah. yeah and um i think this is one of the few episodes in the series where the episode is a battle from start to finish obviously there's the long night in season mm-hmm. eight but mm-hmm. <clears throat> that episode suffers from the quality of writing yeah. whereas the watchers on the wall is just a cinematic experience with with good writing from start to finish and it's one of the most like epic episodes of the series and that's where we see um Ygritte die yeah that was probably the biggest dramatic moment of the episode. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but overall, overall, Watchers on the Wall definitely crack, cracks my top ten. Okay, that's a good pick. Yeah. So I'll I'll go to my ten. But before I get to my number ten, I'll mention my honorable mentions because Watchers on the Wall is one of my honorable mentions. So that was that was hard to leave off my top ten. Watchers on the Wall is an honorable mention. I think you made a really good point about the whole <laughs> episode being a battle because that was the first I say the first time when I was watching Game of Thrones where I really noticed how high quality the budget got and how quality how high sorry how high the budget got and how high quality the filmmaking got because that's when I was like it felt like a movie watching that episode I was like how is this not a movie like it was just a full-on battle sequence 
Yeah. Um, and I was like really impressed by it. So I have that as an honorable mention. And then another honorable mention I have is the episode we mentioned about Robert Baratheon dying. So you win or you die is the name of it. It's episode seven of season one on rewatch. This episode blew me away when I rewatched it because it really, it progresses absolutely everything in season one. Like it really just takes season one into that climax. Like there are so many good scenes in that episode. It starts, I think near the beginning, it has the Ned and Cersei conversation. I don't know if you remember that when Cersei says uh, that line, like you win or you die when you play the yeah. Game of Thrones. That whole scene, some of the best dialogue in the whole show, in my opinion. Yep. I absolutely love that scene. And then it also has Robert dying. And at the end, it has Littlefinger betraying Ned, like with the knife at his throat, um, which is like a great, yep. great moment. Like that whole episode. And it also has my favorite Cal Drogo scene in the whole show, which is um, Cal Drogo, great season one character. Um, when he gives that speech to Daenerys about how he wants to, like he wants to join her to go take the Iron Throne for her. That's like probably one yeah. of my favorite Cal Drogo scenes. So just the amount of great scenes in that episode and how much it progresses the story it was hard to leave that off the top 10 i wanted to put it on just because a lot of people wouldn't have it and it's a little more like it's a bit of more of a random episode that really just builds the story so well um, right but yeah so then i'll get to my number 10 my number 10 is the lion and the rose so the purple wedding um season four episode two so i don't really have to explain myself there like joffrey dying was just so exciting um, just a great moment. Um, and like the whole episode takes place at the wedding pretty much. There's just so many good dialogue scenes um, that I have it at number 10. It was not quite as high, but yeah, I have it at number 10. Uh, I guess we yeah. can move on to your nine or unless you want to say yeah. something about that episode. Yeah, well, I will because that is actually my number nine as well. Oh, it's your number nine. There you go. So okay. um, yeah, basically the ending is what really makes this episode what it is. And yeah. what I, it's just, I think the ending scene or like the last 15 to 20 minutes it's just a like a master of tension. Yeah, they, they, that's a great. They, ex they, ex they executed it so well. So obviously, Joffrey, he's in and he's antagonizing Tyrion, and mm -hmm. Marjorie, she quickly like deescalates the situation by like, oh, the pie. Yeah. So you th so you think that's resolved, and then five minutes later, that tension rises again when Joffrey goes right back to messing with Tyrion. Yeah, and it's really intense. It's one of yeah. those scenes where it's dialogue driven, but it's just as tense as any battle sequence or whatever yeah. it may be. And then, yeah, I, I actually forgot about that. That's really the way the tension rises is incredible. Yeah, and obviously, I wasn't expecting Joffrey to die two episodes into season four. I was expecting it to happen later on in the series or by the end of the season or something. I just that definitely is one of the most shocking moments in the series yeah. for sure. Yeah, That's another reason why I had season four. Number one is that the inciting incident, like the fact that something big like that happens to, in sec in the second episode, like I've never seen that in a show where episode two, you have such a big, big moment for a season like that. Uh, so that's another reason why I had season four. <laughs> but I, I do understand your argument on season three. The, I, I go I'd back say, and forth, dude. <laughs> it's, it was hard for me to put four ahead. Cause I, I think it's just, I feel the way I was saying the episodes stand out more, it's just a personal thing. But I think if you really tried to be objective, I think you're right that season three is probably the most consistent season where like every story is perfect. Yeah. There's probably things I could nitpick about season four. Actually, it's kind of a weird time to nitpick season four considering I put it at one, but there is yeah. that one, there's one scene I really don't like where uh, Yara and goes to rescue Theon. And, like Ramsey's there. I don't know if you remember that scene. And Ramsey's there and he has like his shirt off and he's like trying yeah. to, and he fights them all. Oh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. most pointless scene ever. Like, it's just, why did they have that scene there? It was, yeah. they did not need that scene. There's, like, this big speech Yara has at the end of season three where she's like, I'm going to go rescue him. 
and then you don't see her for like the first five episodes <laughs> and then yeah. she just comes in midway through season four tries to rescue him fails and then leaves like was that episode little, five five or six i can't remember exactly um but yeah that that, that scene pisses me off <laughs> so i i still have season four at one just based on but you're right i think season three is probably the most consistent season um yeah. but yeah sorry back to the episode so you had lion and the rose at nine is that yep. right yep mm-hmm. okay so at nine i have this might surprise some people. I have Battle of the Bastards at nine, um, which might be a little low um, for some people, but I have it at nine just based on, I don't think the battle logic was that great. Like, I don't know. I, I just, it, and it also, it's a little cheesy. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but the fact that like they, they do, it turns into more like a classic um, battle that you would see in a normal movie where it's like the good guys, they just made it in when Littlefinger's army comes right at perfect timing kind of right. thing but in terms of the filmmaking it's probably from a filmmaking standpoint it's the best battle in the whole show um like that one take scene i don't know if you know the one take that they have like a full minute of john, yeah, Snow john. The, exactly yeah. that's one of the best uh, sequences in the whole show for sure yeah um, and i still love the battle cinematically it's just so fun to watch so yeah, i have that in number nine guess we can go to your number eight yep so number eight i have <clears throat> the laws of gods and men that's the trial by combat episode obviously i love courtroom drama scenes yeah and this is like gamer through this is like game of thrones chicanery yeah yeah better call saw reference for anyone that's seen better call saw yeah but um yeah it's just i love scenes like that that's pretty much why um it's so high on my list besides the ending scene i don't remember too much about the episode off the top of my head but, but uh, yeah a good chunk of it is that trial so that, that that's enough true yeah true yeah. i think like the last i think yeah that trial sequence is actually longer than i expected because they had like 10 minutes and then they took an intermission where jamie told Tyrion to confess and then they went back to the trial sequence for like another 10 minutes so i think yeah. that whole scene is probably like the last 25 minutes of the show maybe even longer yeah yeah, I I don't remember anything else that happens in that episode too. It's like I just think of that as the trial episode. So and that may be showing up on my list. So yeah, <laughs> it's good ranking. It, it's where shit pops off pretty much. That's where season yeah. four pops off. So yeah. that's why it ranks at number eight. Yeah, yeah that's what, why what I said about that stretch of episodes. That's what starts the the golden oh, yeah. stretch where it's my favorite stretch in the whole show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number eight is also a part of that stretch, but it's a different episode. It's uh, I have the mountain and the viper at number eight, which is episode eight of that season. Um, right. Season four. So that's the one with the big fight at the end, Oberyn versus the mountain. So I guess we haven't even mentioned Oberyn. That's another reason why season one, sorry, season four is, is my highest season is Oberyn Martell. That's one of the best character arcs in the whole show, considering how little screen time he got. He's only in one season um, mm-hmm. and he's great. Like it's a great introduction. Pedro Pascal is like a huge star now. Um, <laughs> like he's in yeah. everything. And like, I think, yeah. And like, I think a big part of that is um, like the fact that he was that good in Game of Thrones for one season. Like he just, they, people wanted more of him. Um, and he's just so great. Uh, all his dialogue scenes with Tyrion, and then obviously the big fight here, and that's why I have this episode um, ranked in my top ten. It's just such a great episode. The ending, obviously, shocker. One of the most gory scenes. That's probably the goriest scene in the whole show, in my opinion. Like, the hardest. To, like, that death was brutal. Yeah, the fact that he squashes his head, man. Like, that is hard to watch. Um, and the way he screams, it's just like, ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have that at number eight. <laughs> so what, what do you have at number eight? Or sorry, did did you already say your number eight? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Um, so we're going to seven. Yep, so we're on seven. So the seven, I have the season four finale, The Children. Okay. And I think there's so much wild shit going on in season four, and the finale, I think, perfectly brings 
all those plots together and just it's just a massive payoff episode yeah. um obviously tywin's death uh Tyrion confronting shay shay was her name right yeah shay yep shay yeah he killed shay um i thought the ending sequence with Arya sailing to bravos was great yep yep the music's great there <laughs> it just left you with this it just left you in this like emotional state i think that was like the best way to cap off the episode and then also i thought um the fight between the hound and brienne i thought that was one of the greatest fight sequences in the show yeah. just brutal it was brutal yeah. yeah great scene um so overall just and i loved the moment where jamie freed Tyrion. i loved i loved their relationship in season four mm-hmm. especially towards the end mm-hmm. so i think that's an episode that just has like so many good things going on that you can't help but leave it out of your top 10 yeah yeah i agree um yeah so that was number seven for you Yep, that was number seven. Yeah. What was your so, number seven? So my number seven, I have Baylor, which is uh, episode nine of season one. So that's the only season one episode that's on my list, actually. Um, I was thinking about doing episode seven, the one I talked about as an honorable mention, You Win or You Die. I was thinking of that being the only season one episode, but I just can't when you have that scene with Ned at the end. Like, that episode nine for season one, it's just, that's what really, really got me hooked. Like, that, that's when they started the whole episode nine is the big one. Like, they started that whole pattern in that show. Um, yeah. So that's what really it's just such an iconic sequence the one with ned there's other good scenes in that episode um i think that's the one with Tyrion and shay like when they first meet and they have a, they with Braun too and they, they start like telling stories about Tyrion's yep. past and stuff that's a great scene they skip over the battle which is pretty funny that like <laughs> it turns into a huge battle show later on but in season one they're like we don't have the money for this we're skipping it <laughs> i think that's what's so funny about that episode too I think yeah. they they use it as like a comedic, even though it feels like slightly underwhelming. They kind of turn it into this like comedic element. Yeah, I think it's yeah. great. It's pretty funny that they skip over that. He just gets knocked out. <laughs> uh, and then and then yeah, I've I've said enough about that. That Ned Stark scene at the end is just, I love it so much. I I don't know about you. Did you have any spoilers? Like, did you know Ned was gonna die? No, I had no idea. Yeah, same here. So like, I had heard people made all those jokes about how Sean Bean dies and everything. So, like, I had heard about that, and I was like, oh, maybe, like, I had it in the back of my mind. I was like, maybe Ned Stark will die, like, at some point in the show. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's that scene when they say he's going to take the black. So I was like, I was thinking in my head, like, oh, he's going to go join John at the wall. This is going to be cool. Like, that's a great twist. Like, have Ned yeah. Stark at the wall with John. John won't be as lonely. Like, uh, <laughs> and then nope. obviously <laughs> Joffrey comes in, and like, that's just such an iconic scene. I, I had to put Baylor on this list. I, I love it. So yeah, I have it at number seven. Yeah, definitely a good pick for number seven because at number six I have Baylor. So yeah, that keeps happening. We keep having like back to back. But you have it one higher than me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I think you were right because the ending. I mean, the episode is so known for its ending, Ned's death. But it's a great episode overall. It's kind of underrated as an overall episode. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, the scene between Tyrion, Shay, and uh, Bran. Yeah. Where they they play the drinking game and like you said, he tells the story about how. He met the one girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Taisha or whatever, yeah. yeah. Tywin and Jamie set up the whole thing. I thought that just really... Mm-hmm. Um, Tyrion was already a great character in season one. He was already like a this tragic figure. But I think mm-hmm. that really um, emphasized how much of a tragic character he is and like kind of like brought his whole character together. So mm-hmm. I think that moment specifically. But obviously the ending is what sticks out the most about this episode. You're sad that Ned that Ned dies, but you also feel for Sansa and Arya in that final scene. It was just a it was a, it was a gut punch, dude. Yeah, 
Yeah, it really hurts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that one ranks at number six for me. Yeah. Okay. So you had it one higher. So my number six, I yep. have, I have Blackwater. So episode nine of season two, I have it number six. Uh, obviously, I think in terms of battle episodes, it's the most, it's the most well written battle episode. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I feel like the budget wasn't quite as high as they had for Watchers on the Wall or Battle of the Bastards. So they did what they could. Um, I really, one of my favorite parts of Blackwater, hands down, is Cersei when she's drunk and she's just like talking to Sansa and she's like yeah. telling her how what you have to do as a woman in Westeros, like how brutal it is. Um, that's like, that's one of my favorite Cersei scenes. That's actually when I, like, it's so easy to hate Cersei in the beginning. Like she's <laughs> such an asshole. But, but that scene, I was like, the first time I just enjoyed her. Like, even though she's still being an ass, I just really enjoyed, obviously, the performance. Lena Headey, if we were doing, like, an actor's ranking, she would be number one for me. I think she had the best performance in the whole show. Like, if you just go through the eight seasons, like, how fun she is to watch, like, she's fantastic. Um, so I love that. Yeah. And then, obviously, the battle itself, all the stuff with Tyrion, fantastic. The big explosion, uh, Tywin coming in at the end. Just a great, Stannis being a badass. There's some good Stannis moments in that episode. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I Blackwater at number six. Just, just a great episode for sure. Yeah, definitely. So at number five, I have, I won't say too much about Blackwater because that'll be later on my list. Yeah, fair enough. But um, number five, I have Battle of the Bastards. And okay, so you had it higher than me. Yeah. Even though I have it higher than you, this is still probably like kind of low compared to what other right. people rank it. Yeah, Everyone people would put it. Yeah, people would put two, it one or, one or, one or two. two. Yeah, Battle yeah. of the Bastards is very popular. Yeah. So basically for the same reasons as you, um, I thought the filmmaking was so good and the payoff was so good that I had to rank it top five just Fair because enough. it's so, – and John was my favorite character in seasons five and season six, and I think mm -hmm. that's just the climax of his story. Mm -hmm. So just like the emotional attachment that I have to that episode yeah, and obviously seeing – that was the finale to Ramsey's character. I thought yeah. that like there's so much good filmmaking and emotional payoff that I can't help but put it um in my top five. But yeah, there's a lot of silly things about the episode. That obviously, the you can suspend your disbelief a little bit. It's not the most unrealistic episode, but mm -hmm. I think I agree that the battle strategy. I'm not like an expert when it comes to that stuff, but mm -hmm. from what I've read, obviously it seems kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people didn't thought um. Sansa's actions were out of character a bit like why didn't she tell John that yeah yeah the, I the veil that. was coming and shit like that even yeah. though realism is like realism and writing is probably like the number one quality a show should have mm -hmm. but overall it's too epic not to put it in my top five yeah I can understand why you had it there um yeah yeah I agree with everything you said I it, it was a little ridiculous at points but it's one of those times where you you're, you suspend your disbelief like I was able to just love that episode even though I can nitpick it but yeah so I get what you yeah. do um so that was your number five right yep yeah okay, so, so your number five my number five is one that you already mentioned so it's the laws of gods and men so it's the, the court episode with Tyrion um I have it high. I have it number five. You did. You made a better Gal Saul reference there. You quickly mentioned chicanery. It's the chicanery of, yep. of Game of Thrones, and I completely agree. If people yeah. listen to our first episode, they would know that I love better Gal Saul. So I don't know if that's a reason why I have it this high. I didn't think of that until you actually mentioned it just now. That is the chicanery of Game of Thrones. But yeah, yeah, I, I love courtroom stuff, and oh my, like that that that's Peter Dinklage. That's his best acting, his I best. think, in the whole show. Like yeah, like that's one criticism I have of Tyrion is man does he go downhill when he leaves like set the seven kingdoms once he goes across the sea to be with Daenerys like Tyrion just does not 
do anything. Like he has some funny one-liners, but that's about it. That's what he does the rest of the show. He has some funny one-liners and then he just gives Daenerys bad advice. We'll get into the last two seasons later, but yeah, yeah. like, so this, this is like peak Tyrion for me. I mean, I mentioned how good he is in season two. Like obviously he's great as the hand of the King in season two, but his whole arc in season four, it's just some of the best stuff in the whole show. And that, that yeah. the, the look on Tywin's face when he says, I demand a trial by combat. <laughs> that the, yeah. the shot of Tywin's face when he looks at Tyrion, like it's just so epic. Like the, and the music, yeah. like it's it's just that climactic moment, just automatically puts this episode in my top five. Like it's just too good. Like it's just so I'm getting giddy just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I want to go. I'm gonna go YouTube this scene right after um, <laughs> just to watch Literally. that. Like it's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I just gets a spot in my top five just based on that courtroom scene um and like you mentioned i don't really remember much about that episode but that's that's the main part of it and that's why it's so high for me so yeah we can move on yeah and and like we said that's a it's not like it was just like the last five minutes it was like probably like close to the last half of that yeah. episode so it's, it's a climax wide, it's a climax that's been building that's what makes that last look and that last line so satisfying is we've been watching all these testimonies for like 20 minutes like Varys and cersei they all come in and then it's just yeah. slow, it's slow, it's slow, but then it just, boom, that explodes. Climax. Peter it's Dinklage so explodes, and it's yeah. like the ultimate climax. It's, it's his best acting in the whole show, for sure. Um, yeah. So what do you have at four? Yeah, so at four, I have Hard Home. Okay. And th- that's for obvious reasons. Obviously, the last, I think, what is it, 20 minutes? Yeah. Is that battle sequence? It's like the most unexpected, hard-hitting mm-hmm. sequence, of the, or one of the most, I should say, but it's one of the most... And it's like, you weren't expecting, after like a relatively slow first seven episodes, you weren't expecting this all-out war between the Whites and and the Night's Watch. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and as soon as you, yeah. yeah, and as soon as you heard like the dogs barking and like all the commotion going outside, going on outside, you knew like, fuck, it's got to be White Walker related. I just knew right away. And yeah. people were like, "Oh, it's an avalanche!" Like, no, why would it? Why would they make this big dramatic moment out of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point for sure. I think if I had one criticism about the episode, it's pretty small, but um, I thought the fight sequence between John and the White Walker, I didn't think it was the most believable because I think if the White Walker wanted to, easily could have killed John. But he mm-hmm. hits him with the end of his spear instead of just stabbing him. He knocks him down off like the second floor. And I think, I don't know, you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit and it takes the tension out of that scene a little bit. But that's only one small moment in that entire 20 minute fight sequence, battle mm-hmm. sequence. So, and the very ending of the episode is like the most bone chilling thing ever, where it's just the stare down between the Night King and John. Mm-hmm. And you just realize, like, obviously, we always thought, oh, we have a chance against the White Walkers. That's the moment where we realized, yeah, we're fucked. Mm. So I think yeah. that just stands out as one of the most bone-chilling moments. Yeah. So I can just say I have Hard Home at number four as well. So we have it at the exact same spot. Okay. I, I had Hard Home at four. So, um, yeah, everything you said. For me, it's just the way that sequence, it feels like a horror movie. Like, that's what makes it so oh, yeah. great. Is like, it's the one time, I'd say, out of any battle sequence where, like, I was just, like, I was actually on the edge of my seat and like I felt the tension and I was like, oh shit, oh shit. I didn't have that with Battle of the Bastards because with Battle of the Bastards, I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, Ramsey's not going to win this battle. He's not going to kill Jon Snow. Like John just died. Like I, the tension wasn't quite as high, even though I was really enjoying the filmmaking in Battle of the Bastards. Like, but I just knew Ramsey was dying that episode. I could just feel it coming. Um, with Hard Home, it's just like, 
holy shit like you're, it's just this feeling of like oh my god oh my god i'm not saying i thought john was gonna die but like the tension is just so high because just the way it's directed it's it's like actually creepy um and i would say even the, i agree with you in terms of that fight with the white walker like he could have just stabbed him but i actually love that fight just because after he knocks him down um he gets like the wind knocked out of him and the sound design is really cool like it like goes like yeah. silent sort of and like it gives you john like what john's hearing and like the sound is really cool and then just the payoff of him taking care of the white walker with his sword for the first time like i love that fight anyways so i agree with you in terms of logic he didn't need to knock him over he could have just killed him but i still love yeah. that fight um and then yeah the stare down at the end you mentioned like that's the first time we really see the night king what he can do up close um it's just a great moment the way he stares them down it sucks talking about this episode and knowing what it leads to in the, in the last yeah. two seasons but but if you just forget about the last two seasons this episode man it's just so great like it really just that's what i think that's part of why people were so disappointed in the resolution is because of this episode when it really got you excited hard. it just gets you so excited for that final showdown you're like damn the white walkers they fucked us like they're so scary we're fucked what are we gonna do um it's just the first episode to really do that and it's fantastic yeah, and I don't think they reached that level of terrifying ever again. I don't think nope. the Night King ever reached that level. He was a cartoon in the long night. Yeah. That little uh, smirk he had. Like, yeah. is this a cartoon? It's so true. We'll get into that <laughs> in the criticism section, but so accurate. Yeah. But uh, also, I want to mention the whole episode of Hard Home, it's not just the battle. There's also, I just thought of this actually at the last second. I'm pretty sure in Hard Home is the first time Tyrion and Daenerys meet. Like, they have a good conversation. Like, that, that dialogue scene that they have where Tyrion's talking to her about, like, strategy, um, that's in the same episode. That's in Hard Home, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't recall that. Yeah, they, they have a, I just remembered that because at the end of episode seven is when Tyrion first sees her and, like, he, they don't talk, though. It just, like, ends with him seeing her. And then I'm pretty sure in episode eight they have this whole conversation. It's the one where they talk about the wheel. The wheel, like, Daenerys is like, the wheel is just going to keep crushing people or uh, I, I don't remember this we're not going to do impressions so i'm not gonna say what she says but yeah it's it's that's i'm gonna break i'm gonna break i'm gonna break the wheel yeah i'm not going to stop the wheel i'm gonna break the wheel whatever it is that's yeah. that's like a yeah. good scene with Tyrion. it's the first time they interact so i enjoy that scene and then also everything we've been talking about the, the battle is what elevates it but i thought i should just mention that that yeah. overall that episode is great it has other good stuff too mm-hmm. guess we can go to our top threes so wait, what do you have at number three yeah, so at number three, I have Blackwater. Okay. And this is probably my favorite episode, actually. But I, I decided to go with it at number three. But mm. Blackwater is definitely my most rewatched episode. I think it's the most perfect balance of both quality and spectacle. Like, quality mm. of writing and spectacle. Even though mm. it's not the most insane battle, there's still, like, great spectacle. Obviously, the mm-hmm. probably the most, like the biggest spectacle moment of this episode is the wildfire explosion. I think that's what really makes this episode, the cinematic experience. It is the spectacle that it is. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I was just blown away by that explosion. I was losing my shit (laughs) and no, but the, the best quality about this episode is the dialogue. George, George R. Martin wrote with this episode. Right. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see it through the dialogue. There's so many, witty moments i think the confrontation between the hound and bron before the battle starts yeah where uh the hound confronts bron he's like you're a killer just like me i don't remember exactly what their exchange was but yeah i know what you mean yeah that was a really good moment um i thought the opening conversation where 
it was Podrick, Tyrion, and uh, Varys. Yeah. Where Varys is like, Podrick, is that it? And obviously Tyrion's like, you're bullshitting, dude. You know who Podrick is. I don't know if you remember that moment. No, I actually don't. I, mean, I, I remember the scene, but I don't remember the specifics. Yeah. Yeah, because Varys obviously knows who everyone is in King's Landing. The dude's like the smartest right. guy in King's Landing. He's like, yeah. Podrick, is that it? <laughs> and Tyrion's like, Podrick, nice touch. Yeah. Or something like that. And then when Joffrey tells the Hound to cut Tyrion in half or whatever, Tyrion's like, that would make me the quarter man. Just doesn't have the same ring to it. Great line, yeah. I yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> so I, and then obviously, um, this is the episode where Cersei becomes a little more likable because yeah. at this moment in season two, we feel terrible for Sansa and we just really yeah. sympathize with her. And despite how horrible Cersei is as a person, you, mm-hmm. she kind of like she sees herself in Sansa, I think, and yeah. she sympathizes with Sansa. And I think that's really the moment where like. Cersei has some redeeming qualities and yeah, same with the yeah. hound too same For with sure. the hound because the hound um Sansa didn't end up leaving King's Landing but mm-hmm. the hound gave her an option to get out yeah and he told her he's like no I will not hurt you I think that episode is so good because these characters that we've hated the entire show like the hound and Cersei they have mm-hmm. some redeeming qualities finally. yeah yeah I can understand a lot of that, that that's that's a big good point about George R. R. Martin writing the episode. Like that's a big reason why all these great dialogue scenes for sure. Also want to yeah. mention, I know I didn't mention this earlier, but that scene where Tyrion like realizes he's going to have to lead the troops and he like has that big speech. Oh yeah. That's a great moment. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I forget what he says. It's something about like, let's go kill them. Like, yeah. He's like, those are brave men knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. That's what it is. There it is. Yeah. That's a great scene. Um, uh, one more thing I want to mention. I think what makes this episode probably like the best battle episode is um, every other battle episode, there's like a clear good guy and bad guy. You know which side is good and which side is bad. You know, you, the viewer sides with one specific side. Whereas this episode, you don't really know who you want to win because there's pros and cons to each side winning. Obviously, Stannis is the lesser of two evils between um, between him and Joffrey. So. But the only thing is, if Stannis wins, then Sansa dies. A bunch of other bad shit could possibly Tyrion. happen. Yeah, like Tyrion. You're, you're, you're rooting for Tyrion. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's... Tyrion's my favorite character at, at the time in the show. Yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. Tyrion to die. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of pros and cons. That's and a good point. I really like that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the hardest one to pick a side for, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big good pick. So that, that was number three, Blackwater. Yeah, that was number three. What's your three? Okay, my three is The Children, so the season four finale that you had. So I guess everything you said about it, I agree. Like, it's just one of the best finales. It wraps up everything so well. The last scene with Arya Staling is just very satisfying. The music's great. So many great scenes, like Tyrion killing Tywin, uh, Brienne and the Hounds fight. Um, it also had the opening of this episode is really good, too. It has, um, it's the moment when Stannis shows up at the wall. Like, he saves Jon from Mance Raider. So Stannis shows up at the wall. That like adds a whole new mm-hmm. dynamic to John's storyline, like when Stannis arrives. Um, and but the big and biggest reason why I have it so high, it might be a little weird, but it's just for me, it's the last episode of like it's the it's the last episode of Game of Thrones being like the best. Like like when you think about the first four seasons, 
those are like that's when game of thrones is one of the best shows on tv and it's it's the end of that for me like five and six i really like i really enjoy season five and six but it's just not the same as those first four and the children was was the end of it it was like the end of an era of like that's when game of thrones is the last like phenomenal episode of the show in my opinion um i guess as an episode maybe that that's not really a good argument because actually i have an episode later that that ranks higher than it but yeah. it's like the, it's the end of that era if that makes sense yeah, um, it's the end of that, that stretch exactly that's why i have it so high that that five episode stretch of the end of season four is still my favorite in the whole show so that that's why i just love the children it's, it's a long episode too i think i think it's over an hour i could be wrong but it's just like it feels like a movie the way they wrap up season four it's just it's so satisfying um so yeah i have that at number three so we're down to our top two. I think yeah. it's pretty obvious what our top two is. Wait, we have, we have the same, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You want to just say what your top two are? So yeah. So at number two, I have the Reigns of Castmere, And one, I have the Winds of Winter. Okay. So I have the same two, but I have the opposite order. So I have okay. the Winds of Winter at number two, and then I have Reigns of Castmere at number one. So I don't even want to say I have one higher than the other. Yeah. They're it's just my just, top two. That's fair. It's just, it is really hard to pick one. Um, so just, yeah, like, yeah, it goes without saying how good both these episodes are. Like it's the peak of the show for me. Yeah um yeah like the red wedding it doesn't get any better like that's just like the most shocking moment in all of tv like there's not one moment on tv that's as shocking as the red wedding like just mm -hmm. combination of the importance of the characters who die combination of the unexpectedness of it happening um the performances and like the gruesomeness of it like the, like they show all the stabbings like <laughs> and like yeah. the throat the slittings like the fact that they just go all out for it like it's just I, I don't know about you. I didn't have it spoiled. So like it, it, Same. I couldn't sleep that night almost like it just like, it shook me. Like I, I knew there was a scene called the red wedding, but I didn't know what episode it was or like mm -hmm. when it was going to, or what it consisted of, of who died or like, so yeah. it was like, it was still a shock to me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I knew a lot of people died in the show, but that, that was it. I didn't know who, I didn't know the names of the deaths or anything. I knew, obviously I was, after Ned died, I was like, okay, we're going to get some Stark redemption. Like, I was totally with Rob and Catelyn that whole time. And, like, it's just so, it's such a brutal scene. So I just have that at number one. Like, I love the Winds of Winter. We can get into that after. But but it's just that's, that is iconic, Game of Thrones. It's at its best. Everything's perfect about the episode. There's other good stuff that happens. Don't remember the specifics, but there's some good stuff with Jon Snow in that episode. And, and Daenerys, too. I think there's, like, a good battle where... Yeah, Daenerys right? conquers... Well, um, Jorah and uh dario and harris right, they, they right. conquer young kai yeah so um, that was that was one of the more dramatic um scenes of the episode and then obviously the john and ygritte their story yeah. comes With, to a climax kind of yeah and then brands in the tower right like right yeah. there i remember that yeah yeah so there's just so like that's on top of the red west which is like that, that this every that episode is just a thrill ride the whole way through and then it's just crushing I, it's interesting that like i re i've rewatched quite a few episodes I I think the only time I ever rewatched this one, just because it's so painful, is when I do like a full rewatch of the whole show. So like I've only seen it like obviously my first watch, and then I did one full rewatch before season seven came out. Um, mm -hmm. So I've only seen the episode in full probably twice, just because of how painful the red wedding is. <laughs> like I don't want to watch that again. Like it's just yeah. too brutal. Like, um, and but yeah, I've seen reactions to it. It's fun watching people react to it, like because they just they just yeah. scream and scream and cry and all that stuff. Yeah. But, same i relived their pain yeah, yeah and then um obviously what's so crushing about it is aria aria was so close yeah yeah that's 
that adds a whole layer to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes it like more devastating than it already was on its own. Yeah. It's like you wanted her to get to her family and then <laughs> they get murdered right when she gets there. It's, yeah, yeah. The last 10 minutes is just like a fever dream. You can't even un- believe yeah. what's like unfolding. Yeah. You get transported to another place. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we can get into the winds of winter now, I guess. Um, just cause we both, so you have it at one, I have it at two. We both love it, obviously. For me, it's the opening sequence, like that, the light of the seven with Cersei blowing up the sept. In terms of editing and filmmaking and like the tension, that's the best sequence in the whole show, in my opinion, like the way it's put together. Uh, I'm a huge music guy. I, I love light of the seven so much. It's my favorite piece of music in the whole show. It's the mm-hmm. only, it's the first time they use piano too. So like when you first hear it, you're like, it's weird. Like you're like, oh, I'm not used to, like a, a lot of people probably wouldn't realize that it's the first time they hear piano, but it still feels like something's off. Like, um, and then the way it builds, this is just the Winds of Winters number two for me. Just, it's, it's the ultimate payoff episode. Like they just pay off everything. It's like, they have that scene in the opening. They have the ending with Daenerys finally coming. They have, um, what else? They, they have the Tower of Joy reveal, which is like, yep. like Jon Snow's a Targaryen. That's one spoiler I had, I guess, is I knew about that theory before they revealed it. Did you? No. You didn't no know. Idea. You had no yeah. idea. I, I knew about that R plus L equals J theory, and I watched like a video on it or something where they said like they had proof of like all these scenes in the show. They've hinted at it, and like I didn't yeah. know for a fact they were going to do it, so it's, it's still a bit of a shock, but like the fact that I had the idea in my head Jon Snow might be a Targaryen was like a bit of a spoiler but when that scene happens it's still pretty pretty impactful the music and like the way it's edited and then yeah. Jon Snow being named king like it's just all payoff it's just payoff 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 throughout for an entire hour so so fun to watch so rewatchable just the second best episode for me in the whole show yeah i didn't watch the show live so i had no idea about that reveal or that yeah. theory so and i'm obviously a lot of people that watch the show live they all knew about that theory so they mm. already had it in the back of their head that, that was a potential thing that could happen. But for me, it was completely unexpected, which really added to that episode. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's the most eventful episode of the show. Like, there probably mm-hmm. has the story-wise, there's, like, the most payoffs and things being wrapped up. Another thing that happened that episode is um, Arya avenging the Red Wedding. Yeah, that's a good point. That's more payoff. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Just so many good scenes. It's insane, like, watching that episode. It was just 10 out of 10 scene after 10 out of 10 scene. Oh, another great scene. Uh, they have Davos confronting Melisandre, like the red woman, when he oh, confronts yeah. her and he sends her away. Like probably the best Davos scene in the whole show, like in terms of the acting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's just great scene after great scene. Um, I guess one? there was like one more, wasn't there? I thought there was one more big one. Yeah, there probably was. We're probably forgetting it, but yeah, it's, it's I think we hard. touched the biggest ones. We, we we hit all the great stuff in that episode. Yeah, so I think now before we move on, we can do what we like just list like give a recap so what were your top 10 episodes just go from yeah. 10 to 1 so 10 i had watchers on the wall yep nine i had the line in the rose eight i had the laws of gods and men trial episode uh seven i had the children season four finale six i had baylor um ned stark's death five i had battle the bastards everyone knows what that episode was uh four hard home battle at hard home Three, Blackwater. Two, The Reigns of Castamere. Then one, I had The Winds of Winter. Okay. Yeah, good list for sure. Um, I had number 10, Lion and the Rose. Number nine, Battle of the Bastards. Number eight, The Mountain and the Viper. Number seven, Baylor. Number six, Blackwater. Number five, The Laws of Gods and Men. Number four, Hard Home. Number three, The Children. 
Number two, The Winds of Winter. Number one, The Reigns of Castamere. Wait, do we have the same top ten? Well, you didn't have Watchers on the Wall. What was the only one you had oh. on your top ten? Yeah, wow. Holy, that is very similar. Because <laughs> we did not plan this out. We were just like, go write a top 10 and I'll go write a top 10. We yeah. knew our top fives would be similar. But the fact that our only difference, I think, is that I had, I had, you had Watchers in the Wall in your top 10, right? Yeah. I didn't. So there's one episode that I have that you don't then. You don't have The Mountain and The Viper. Nope. Yeah. That's I don't the have one that you don't have. So you don't have That's the top 15 in, for me. Yeah. You just left off over into the mountain. So I had that higher than watchers on the wall. Um, that's the only difference. That's pretty crazy that nine out of 10 were the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, like yeah. our tastes are apparently really similar. Yeah. Like we had no clue that it would be that specific. Like, <laughs> and we have the same top two. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it would be cool if we had more disagreements, but the fact that we didn't know, it's pretty cool that it's so similar. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So we can move on. I guess, just more in-depth talk. If you had to do a top five characters, what would, what would your top five characters be? Whew. Okay, so at number five, I'm going to go Joffrey at number five. Joffrey, and, that's a good pick. And I think it's because, obviously, I love to hate Ramsey, but there's mm-hmm. no one I love to hate more than Joffrey. I agree. That's actually and, one question I was going to ask at the end. I had a few quick questions for the end. One of them, we just answered. One of them was better villain, Joffrey or Ramsey. So I guess we, we just answered that, which is fine. But I get why you have them. Yeah. I would say uh, Ramsey's your more typical, like, just evil guy. Just, like, pure evil. He has nothing but – well, Joffrey is too. There's no redeeming quality about that guy. <laughs> he's <laughs> just more fun to hate. That's what it is. I think yeah. he's, he's more fun to hate because he's dumber, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he's so he's unpredictable. A, he's and such he's, an idiot. It's terrifying. Like, yeah, he doesn't know anything. Whereas Ramsey's a little more smart and calculating, but like Joffrey's a just, it's such a weird combination of someone who's so dumb and out of it and like doesn't think things through and then who's such a vicious psychopath at the same time. Like, I agree. You mentioned that you thought Cersei was the best actor on the show. Yeah. Well, I thought um, the guy who plays Joffrey, Jack Gleason, I personally thought he gave, he was my favorite performance probably out of the entire show. He's just such a little shit. Yeah. And he, he just makes you really hate that character. And mm-hmm. I think he does that. Jack Leeson did that really well. So I think yeah. I, I, I miss I Joffrey. Him, I put him top five performances. Like he's, he's up there for sure. But yeah, I, I would put Lena Headache slightly ahead. But yeah, that's a fair opinion for sure. Yeah, yeah. understandable. So yeah, who, uh, who do you have? In, oh, do you want me to just go yeah, five? Yeah, go, go all five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, coming in at number four, I have Arya. Okay. And... She's not one of the characters that was like, oh, immediately she's my favorite. She was like kind of one of those characters that just had like one of the best start to finish arcs. Obviously, um, as the writing declined, some characters' arcs declined. Mm. But Arya, she was like one of the characters that like actually remained good even Mm -hmm. in season seven and eight. Like she kind of carried the show in season eight. So I think the fact that her character remained um at such high quality even when the show got bad i think she definitely cracks mm-hmm. the top five and obviously she's just she's just a little badass so like yeah. i think yeah. she definitely cracks the top five good pick good pick and number three i have john snow okay for obvious reasons i think yeah when the writing declined a little bit in seasons five and six not too drastic mm-hmm. uh, of a decline or anything but when things got uh less interesting in season five or Lower, became lower quality i think john really carried the show and mm-hmm. he's just a guy that's really easy to root for um mm-hmm. 
obviously uh, being a bastard child, you feel for him and mm-hmm. you're really invested in his arc. Mm-hmm. And I think for those two seasons, he was by far the best character on the show. Yep. So he comes in at number three. Uh, number two, Jamie. Uh, I always love a good redemption arc and Jamie is like the epitome of a redemption arc. And he's just like this tragic misunderstood character. And I think uh, where he really became one of my top two characters was um, this, this episode would honestly be an honorable mention Uh, season three, episode five, kiss by fire. Yeah. Um, That scene where him and uh, Brienne were in like the bath, like like that, like hot tub thing or whatever. Yeah. Bath or hot tub, whatever. Yeah. And I think that really just, it really shed some light on his character and it made you mm-hmm. realize just how misunderstood he was. Obviously his redemption arc was already in the, uh, the, the wheels were already turning for his redemption arc at that point, but that's really where his redemption arc um, came mm-hmm. to a climax. And you're like, this guy's just, he's obviously a, a flawed and like a morally gray character, but he's not all bad. This guy has mm-hmm. some good in him. He's just really misunderstood. So yeah. So Good yeah, pick. so Jamie then, is definitely my number two, and then one is Tyrion Lannister, just like the most well-rounded character on the show. He has like he's one of those characters that's comedic relief and just like really witty and clever. But he's not mm-hmm. only used for comedic relief; he has one of the greatest and most tragic stories on the show. Obviously, mm-hmm. particularly for the first four seasons. After that, mm-hmm. like after that, like you said, you just kind of like it's hard for. Um, I don't want to bash D&D, but it's hard for, like, dumb people to write a smart character. <laughs> dumb. I don't want to bash them. They're dumb. Yeah. But <laughs> no. We dumb can talk about that. When we get to the last two seasons, we'll go into that no, stuff. No, they're not dumb. They're just uh, – yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to say D&D are dumb. They're obviously made one of the best shows ever. Uh, mm-hmm. But compared to George, George wrote Tyrion. George is obviously brilliant. So it's mm-hmm. hard for D&D – who didn't write Tyrion's character? It's I can understand why it's so hard to maintain that consistency. Consistency in terms of like how clever and woody he is. Yeah, that's a good character list. So in terms of mine, I just, just the similar taste just keeps coming. I have the same top two. Okay. <laughs> Except a different order. I have Jamie at number one. He's my favorite character. And I have Tyrion at number two. So pretty similar. But um, yeah. for me, Jamie's number one. Just consistency throughout the whole show he was always my favorite like after season three happened sorry like what if we talk favorite scenes which we will be you just mentioned jamie and brienne in the bath like that's up Mm -hmm. there one of the best scenes in terms of dialogue and how it changes your perspective on jamie um and then yeah even in the later seasons like season seven and eight i still like jamie like every scene with him i enjoyed more than scenes without him if that makes sense like there's that scene in season eight when he comes and he like daenerys starts talking to him like when he arrives at winterfell or whatever and like I don't know, just like even in the bad seasons, I still like Jamie. It was just fun to watch. So he's number one for me. Number two, Tyrion. Um, like I said, I do not like his story at all from seasons five to eight, which is literally, <laughs> it's literally half the show. I don't like what they did with him for half the show, but he's just so good in those first four that I don't care. Like, I, I just love him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, what I was going to say about my character rankings, though, because I, I just told you my top two. For me, like likability isn't that high of a priority. It's more just like how much I enjoy watching them. Um, and like how how fascinated I am by their on-screen presence so I just want to give a just just let people know that four of my top five characters is just the Lannisters like I'm obsessed with the Lannisters like the Lannisters are what makes the show great to me like I know a lot of people hate them at the beginning I did 
Like at my first watch, obviously I hated the Lannisters at the beginning, other than Tyrion. But you're you are rooting against them. But once I rewatch the show and like I think about it more, I read the books. For me, what makes the show great is the Lannisters. Like they're the most unique characters. Like you don't see characters like that in any other shows. So like that's why I I don't even have Jon Snow on my list. I don't have Arya on my list. I don't have Daenerys. Not that those are bad characters, but they're not as unique. Like you you'll see a Jon Snow type character on any show. Mm-hmm. It's like the reluctant hero, like the one who like doesn't yeah. want to lead, but he has to lead. Uh, Arya, like the badass girl, you'll see that. Like. But for me, you don't see the land. Like, you don't see an incest couple. I'm not saying I yeah. like incest, but... <laughs> I had the typical fanboy list. Yeah, no, no, those are great. Only, only, only for those two, though. We had the same top two, so I'm not saying... Like, this is just my perspective on, like, how I rank the characters for this type of show where it's, like, a fantasy world. It's a very different world where, obviously, the morals are different, like, um, very misogynistic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's why... So I have Jamie and Tyrion at number one and two. I have Tywin at three. Like, I love Tywin Lannister. His presence, every scene he's in, is like 10 out of 10. And then I have yeah. Cersei at four. Like, I know I hated Cersei in the beginning, but season five and six, she becomes a little more likable and sympathetic. And like I said, Lena had a favorite performance in the show. Uh, I love... Even season seven, I loved Cersei, which is like the second... La- like, not a great season, but she was one of my favorite parts of that season. I, yeah. All her dialogue scenes, she's on the throne, everything with Jamie. She she... Her stuff with the Euron's kind of annoying, but at least she she has some good moments with him. Um, and then at five, I have Sir Davos. <laughs> so, <laughs> my list good is just La- it's all Lannisters and then Davos at five. Um, <laughs> I just like a good guy. It's it's a show where there's so many assholes, so many. And he's just he's just a fun. Uh, even in the later seasons, I enjoyed Sir Davos. Like he's just there to crack jokes. He's likable. Obviously, you could argue he's not the most interesting, but I just like Sir Davos Seaworth a lot. He's my fifth favorite. So it's the four Lannisters and then Davos. And then, yeah, obviously, I didn't even have John or Arya, but I liked him a lot. Um, I also, I almost had the Hound. I really like the Hound, too. Yeah. So obviously, we didn't talk about doing this, but before we go into our favorite scenes, uh, let's talk likability for a second. In terms of, like, likability, who would you say are, like, are some of your favorite characters? Just off, like, oh, this... I don't know. Well, obviously, you can like, who like I was Cersei. For? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I would sure. just say the Starks. Like, I was always cheering for the Starks. So, like, any Stark. Um, like, Rob. I really liked Rob Stark. I really liked John. obviously. really liked Arya. Ned and Catelyn. A lot of people hated Catelyn. Um, I, I agree. liked Cat. Always I liked Cat. I liked Cat, too. But a lot of people hate her just because of her letting Jamie go, which is a big mistake. It kind of part of their downfall, for sure. Like, I don't think Tywin would have done that if Stark still had Jamie, so she did fuck up there. But like, I still love Catelyn. She's just very likable. Has a lot of good moments. That's another one, in my opinion. If you're going off of acting performances, uh, Michelle Fairley, who played Catelyn, one of the best performances I think in the whole show. Like, she's top five for me. Um, yeah. But yeah. So if you're going just off likability, it would be Starks. But when I go character rankings, it's like these are the best characters, the ones I enjoy watching the most, the most fascinating. And it's just Lannisters, yeah. all four Lannisters, hands down yep. for me. Um. Someone that I was going to mention, uh, I think Samuel Tarley. Yeah. That guy's yeah. just like really likable. He's just like this. He starts out as this innocent guy. I think he's mm-hmm. introduced in the third episode at the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just this, he's just this fat little chubby guy getting bullied and you just feel for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I he's agree. like the nicest guy in like the <laughs> cruelest world. He just doesn't belong. But throughout the, he just grows so much as a character throughout. Yeah. No, I agree. Samuel's very likable. He's, he's up there for me too there's just so many characters in the show like like there's so many uh, that's another reason uh watchers on the wall cracks my top 10 i think samwell that's really where his courage like yeah yeah started to like 
Yeah. That's where he became more of a courageous. Actually, no, when he killed the White Walker in season three, that's probably where it really right. started. But right. season four. Yeah. So I mentioned Jamie. I like Jamie so much because I like a good redemption arc. I yeah. think uh, one of the better redemption arcs too is regardless of if fans <clears throat> forgave him or not, Theon, I think he had a really yeah. good redemption arc. Yeah. And speaking of best performances, Alfie Allen, I think that's yeah. his name. Alfie Allen, yep. Yep, I think he's one of the, like, probably in the top five. Yeah, I, along he with, would be in my top five too. That's a good pick. Along with Jack Gleason and uh, Lena, what's her last name? Hetty. Hetty, yeah. Yeah, Hedy, it could be, I don't know, we're not great with actor pronunciation. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I think it's Lena Hetty, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Dion real quick, too, before we go into our yeah. favorite scenes. I agree that, yeah, Alfie Allen would be top five for me. Um, also, Charles Dance, who plays Tywin, he would be top five. All the uh, Lannisters. All, dude, like Peter, Peter Dinklage, Nikolai Coster, well, uh, like all I forgot the Lan- about Peter Dinklage. Yeah, like all the Lannisters are top five. I guess that's too many. That's probably like six or seven, because I said Jack Gleason would be top five, too. Um, but there's so many good actors, basically. That's, we just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so many good characters. <laughs> so scenes, we're going to get really specific here. So if you had to give your favorite scenes in the whole show, I'm sure we'll have some similar ones. This is probably going to be very repetitive, but let's just, what are your top five scenes? So it was really hard to narrow it down to five because obviously there's so many different types of good scenes you could have. You could have funny scenes, dramatic scenes. Like mm-hmm. this is my top five, but obviously there's some that could obviously be in here. But yeah. my top five. So number five, I have... Podrick sings Jenny of Old Stones. It's uh, okay. episode, episode two of season eight. Do you remember yep. that scene? Yep, that's like <clears> a <throat> montage at the end. Yeah, like the only one of the few good moments in season eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it sets up um, the Battle of Winterfell really well. Yeah. And and there's so many emotions going on during that scene. You're just preparing to watch all your favorite characters die. Mm. Doesn't really happen, but still a good moment. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really happen, but the, the execution in terms of how they set it up, is yes. it's there. Yes, I agree. So I think that comes in at number five. And I also liked, I don't, this is like a really subtle detail of that scene. I don't know if you remember. Um, there's this really cool shot where it's just a shot of the dark and you know, the white walkers are out there and it's just this really eerie shot and they get it from uh Jorah's point of view. I don't remember, know if you remember that shot. I don't actually, but it sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, it's just a shot of Jorah's point of view. And I thought it was like really, um eerie and added to the scene for sure uh number four i have uh little fingers the climb oh chaos is a ladder that's a good scene yep yeah obviously this is like peak little finger right here and it's just a really good montage it has um i don't remember why sansa was crying what was it exactly oh it's it's because something about she was going to marry Loris or something or right in Marjorie and then he's leaving or something. I can't remember the specifics, but basically yeah. her plans get, like, get she ruined. was watching it. Yeah. She was watching his ship leave King's landing. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously um, another great part of that montage is Joffrey. It's, is her name Roz? Yeah. Yeah. He kills Roz. Yeah. He kills Roz and the reveal happens during that montage. And overall, that's just an incredible montage. And it ends yeah. with um, John and Ygritte getting to the yeah. top of the wall. And it's just yeah. a perfect, yeah. that's, that sequence is just, just brilliant. What, one thing I want to say, because I don't have that scene in my top five. So this is a good time to say it. Before we, we're going to, after we do our top five scenes, we're going to be getting into criticisms of the last two seasons. And just before we do that, we're going to be shitting along D&D a lot. So I just, I just want to, before we criticize the hell out of D&D, I just want to give them a shout out because everyone says the first four seasons, they just went off the books and they were lucky. Like a lot of people really hate them and say they're hacks. And I agree, they blew the ending. 
but I just want to point out there's a lot of scenes that are not in the books that they wrote themselves and you just gave a great example that chaos is a ladder speech they wrote that episode that episode like they, they did not have anything to go off like there's no little finger various scenes in the books it's only point of view characters um and both of those characters are not point of view characters so that's probably in my opinion that's the best writing they've done like themselves where because a lot of the other great episodes they've written it's all off the book stuff um so i i just remember when everyone was piling on on them saying everything they wrote was just because of the books I remember looking into that and be realizing that they wrote that scene themselves. Like chaos is the ladder is not in the books. That was, that was them. So I just want to give them a shout out for a good job there before we really criticize them. Cause they did drop yeah. the ball on the end in the last two seasons. But, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that they were like responsible for that scene. I just yeah. assumed it was yeah. in the book, but yeah. no props, major props to them for that scene. Yeah. Obviously it's easier to write a scene like that when you're working um, with the, guidelines of george's story yeah like they, they had to, stuff to go off of, but they didn't they came up as like they knew exactly. his character well and they came up with this whole like metaphor of chaos as a ladder and like that's perfectly written monologue for Littlefinger. like yeah which is that's what i was we'll go into this later but that's the only reason that season seven and eight weren't great they're they're obviously yeah. good writers but they yeah, it's hard they, they to write george's they, story yeah it's, they, they were good at adapting we'll get into this when we do criticisms so at three i have um Obviously, I mentioned this episode earlier. Um, Tyrion demands trial by combat. Obviously, just yeah. like one of the most, like I said, it's it's the chicanery of Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, top two, I have Jamie tells Brienne the truth about the Mad King and yep. the hot tub scene, like we mentioned yep. earlier. Great moment. One of the best relationships in the show. So. Yeah, one one of the best character arcs over one season, like that one season of Jamie and Brienne is one of the best arcs in the whole show. So so fun to watch. Yeah, good pick, good pick. So yeah, that's top two. And then obviously, how can I not leave this out? The Red Wedding. It's the most shocking. One. Yeah. I don't know if it's, these are all kind of interchangeable. Right. But it's, it's, just your, it's just your top five scenes. I see. Yeah. 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 So the Red Wedding, um, it's the climax of my favorite season in the entire show. Yep. So, and this is the most shocking and devastating. Yep. So yeah. it's number yeah, my top five. Once again, very similar taste. So three out of five I have. Um, so I have the Red Wedding. I have Jamie and Brienne in the bath. And I also have Tyrion's Trial. So those, okay. those three out of five I also have in my top five. Um, so the two that I don't have, I, I agree with everything you said about those, like definitely top scenes in the show. So mm -hmm. the, two that, the two that I have are Cersei blowing up the Sept, Baylor in season six, mm -hmm. uh, the Winds of Winter. So the opening, the Winds of Winter is in my top five. And then this scene that i briefly mentioned the ned and cersei dialogue confrontation when she says when you play the game of thrones you win or you die anyone listening to this who has not rewatched that scene i highly recommend you go and rewatch that scene it's just it's it's if you're going just based off of writing and dialogue what the show's about um it's it's the best i think it's arguably the best written sheen scene <laughs> in the whole show yeah um it's just it captures what the show is about it's like ned goes to confront if you don't remember it that well it's ned confronting her he just found out that that her kids are jamie's it's not robert's kids like he figures that out at the end of episode six and then seven he goes to confront her obviously he's kind of being dumb he shouldn't be telling her that he knows but mm -hmm. it's just such a good scene where you get two different perspectives of someone who knows how to play the game and ned who's a little more clueless in terms of the political stuff but it's just my favorite i love that dialogue scene so much i put it in my top five um, yeah and for i want to give it all yeah go ahead no go okay yeah for people that hated obviously ned overall it's a pretty beloved character but for people yeah. that hated ned and catwin it's it's stupid shit like that that 
people really made them hate their characters. Yeah, yeah. I like them, though. It was a dumb move, but it's just such a good scene to watch. It's so, so, like, the dialogue and the acting, it's just so satisfying. Even though it's not satisfying because you're mad that he's doing it, but it's like, it's just the writing is so good. It just made, I think the reason I have it this high, after watching season seven and eight, I just missed, like, I, I remember re-watching this scene and just, like, where did this writing go? Like, they, they, they don't have writing like this anymore for the last four seasons, I'd say, like, five and six, too. Like, they don't have scenes like that where it's just, like, the writing is on another level. Um, and then I want to give an honorable mention in terms of favorite scenes to the Battle of the Bastards one take. Like, the, it goes for a full minute of John in the battle, and it's one take. That's definitely, that was in consideration, but I didn't. And also that shot, for going favorite shots, the shot of him with the sword when he pulls it up, all the horses charging at him. That that's a yeah. great shot. That's I, I was thinking about having those in there, but I didn't. That moment is probably why the Battle of the Bastards cracks my top five. It's just the such yeah. a satisfying experience emotionally. It's so, it's so epic. filmmaking. Yeah, it's so epic. Um okay, well, we've kind of been we've mostly been fanboying over Game of Thrones for a while. Um <laughs> a little bit of criticisms here and there, but we, we love the show. But now it's time to get into the last two seasons. So this is our criticism section. Um, so I guess we can just start. Like, w- what was your biggest issue with the last two seasons? Like, why did you not like them so much? Yeah, It's completely underdeveloped. Yeah, The story, Game of Thrones is one of the most intricate stories ever written. One of the most detail-oriented stories ever written. And it feels like there was no detail in season seven and eight. There is... It just lost its complexity entirely. And everything felt underdeveloped. And a lot of the character motivations and decisions made no sense and were out of character. I think there was too much uh, exposition in the dialogue. Like the mm-hmm. characters were literally explaining to the audience their motivation. Like Arya, Arya is just like, that's not, that's not you or something like that. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you didn't have to say that. Like, that's kind of like cheesy. Yeah. yeah. It's just moments like that. I don't know. For me, yeah. I agree with you completely about the details. Like that's it's it's the execution of the story. They they only cared about executing what's going to happen, what's going to happen, and they didn't care about the details of how it happens. And they mm-hmm. just rushed it. And obviously, the less episodes. That's that's a big reason. The the fact that I think a big reason why they get a lot of hate and why people say they're hacks and they ruined it and they're not good writers is because HBO offered them more seasons and more episodes. Like that's where the hate for D and D comes from is like, they gave you an opportunity to, to have a better story and they chose the easy way out. They said, we're burnt out. It was, it's been too much work. I, 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 I kind of sympathize with them in a way. Cause like they were probably exhausted. Like the amount of work that they put into this show every year, like they were making a new season every year until season seven and eight, like that's exhausting. And the amount of, of effort and how hard the crew works, like, so I get that, but they kind of deserve a lot of hate when it is their fault that it was rushed because they didn't want to do more episodes. They wanted to just finish it off. Like that's their fault. Um, so I agree with you. The details weren't there. The motivations weren't there. The writing was just rushed. It's just stuff like that. And we can get into detail if you want. Like for me, I was, I was going to ask you this later, but I, I think we can just get into it. Like, what do you, what do you think the worst episode, what's your least favorite episode? Like what's the one that made you the most angry? Um, I'd probably say the series finale, actually. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I think, like the brand stuff. I, you yeah, I was, I was I was about to say um, that's probably the worst. Yeah, you know what? A good example. <laughs> I we've been talking about Game of Thrones for over an hour now. We've been going in detail. We've been talking episodes, seasons, all these specifics. 
I don't right. think Bran Stark has come up once. Like, have we ever, have we, either of us mentioned Bran Stark once? No, and I think that shows, like, that shows how, how poor of a character he is. Exactly. Yeah. And Tyrion says he had the best story. Like, like no, we haven't mentioned this yeah. guy once. He's so irrelevant. Like, yeah. And I feel like, um, obviously, they made, uh, Grey Worm's character made no sense in the finale. Oh, but, yeah. But the fact that it, he lets John live, like, what? Yeah. It's just so out of character. Like I mentioned yeah. earlier, there's so many out of character and nonsensical moments in season seven and eight. It's like, mm. how do I believe this is what should be happening when mm. this clearly wouldn't happen in a yeah. in a real yeah. life scenario? Like, yeah, yeah. For me, if I had to pick a worst episode, the series finale is a good pick, but I wouldn't pick it as my least favorite because I already hated the show at that point. Like, it wasn't for me. The one that I hate the most is the one where it really changed my opinion, and so it's like a tie, I guess. It would be beyond the wall in season seven like the one where they go beyond the wall and the long night in season eight those two are my least favorite in the whole show like the big battle in season eight just yep. because i think my least favorite part like you're right about all the details not adding up is the plot the plot armor like the amount of plot armor like game of thrones was known as a show where there's no plot armor like anyone no one's safe like mm-hmm. ned stark can die robin catlin can die the, the a really good example of how the show changed if if season four was written by D&D based on how they wrote the later seasons, there's no chance that Oberyn dies. Like Oberyn would have a yeah. try. He would have a triumphant scene where he kills the mountain and it would be like, everyone would cheer. Like, like that's not, that's what Game of Thrones is. It's when you think Oberyn's going to, you're like, Tyrion's going to get out of this. And then no, he gets his head crushed. Like that's yeah. what Game of Thrones is. And they just totally abandoned that in the last two seasons where they're, they're just like going for the big epic moments where everyone cheers and everyone gets out of it they even have a little bit of it in season six it just didn't bother me as much because it made a little more sense and it was more enjoyable but for me the beyond the wall episode you have seven characters not only does it make no sense like the plan makes no sense it's a terrible plan we're gonna go capture a white to show cersei Tyrion should know Tyrion should know cersei's not gonna care um but they still do it john's like yeah i'm gonna go because he wants to be heroic even though he's like kind of important um yeah it makes no sense. And then it's just the plot armor in that episode. That was the first episode where I was angry that more people didn't die. They should have killed like half, at least half of those seven people. And I was like, they're going to start killing off Garrick. And they didn't. And I was like, this is making me angry that like everyone gets out of it. They're all abandoned on the lake. I guess they kill a dragon. So good for them. Like they did kill someone. But, but it's just why made... did they not kill the dragon that Daenerys is on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he throws it at the wrong dragon. <laughs> wrong dragon, bro. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that episode... <laughs> that episode's tied for my least favorite because it was the first one where I was like, this show is actually bad now. Like I was mad. Like I was like, it's the first time, like the beginning of season seven is okay. It's still entertaining. The best part of season seven is that spoils of war, like the fight with Braun on the dragon. And that's a great scene. Like it's just so well made. The filmmaking's great. But like mm-hmm. the beyond the wall, I just couldn't get past how unrealistic it was and how everyone survives. And John falls in the water and you're like, oh my God, he's going to drown. And then he just comes up. They don't explain how he got out. Like a White Walker was pulling him down. Or sorry, there was like a five. There was like there was five. Like, exactly. And he just gets out of the water. Benjen comes in at the last minute. It's just so stupid. Benjen didn't even have to sacrifice himself. Why did he yeah, do that? Exactly. Like, dude, just get on the fucking horse and yeah. ride off with John. <laughs> and then, and then the Long Night is tied with Beyond the Wall for me as the worst episode because it's the same thing, just on a bigger scale. Like it's the same thing. This, just like you said. There's that montage with Podrick. Great moment. You're like, oh my god, this is it. We're all gonna die. No one fucking dies. <laughs> Except yeah. for, like, who dies? Like, that Chora. Ed, the guy from the Night's Watch, Ed dies. <laughs> like, <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Wasn't he, yeah. like, the first one to go? Yeah, he was the first it's one like, to go. Okay, you're like, right. Okay. I, I went a little too harsh there. Jorah and Theon do die. 
but at the same time, like I was it's expecting like everyone to not like I was like there's gonna be no one left except for like the big big people. Like, but no, literally the worst part is they sh- they have shots of all the main characters getting surrounded by whites and like they're gonna die and you're like oh my god and they just cut away and they keep showing the dragon battle and then they come back and they just they just cut away and it's like how did they survive how did jamie and yeah. Brienne survive like they were getting swarmed yeah and i think um that's yeah the problem with that episode isn't that not enough people died it's the continuity and the logic like yeah. okay yeah. so ed you're died right. i went um, harsh on the no one dying thing but you're right yeah. ed died and jorah died Okay, yeah. so why didn't Jamie and Brienne die when they yeah. were pinned up against the wall those, for like half an hour yeah, against I, the Whites? Those why did Samuel Tarly not die? Samuel yeah. Tarly was rolling around on the ground, being like Whites crawling all over him yeah. for a majority of the episode, well, like the second half of the episode, and he didn't die. He came out unscathed. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Who else? Just... The front lines should have been fucking – the front lines – got swamped yeah, yeah how did jamie and brienne not die yeah also the dothraki thing the, the dothraki light goes out and it's like oh my god that's the end of the dothraki they all just died there and then the, there's just more dothraki for the rest of the season it's like where did yeah they, where did where, they come from yeah D and D were like yeah the long night was essentially the end of the dothraki a few episodes yeah. later hundreds and hundreds of them yeah. maybe yeah so but brutal. um yeah like i said that first line like the front lines should have got swamped. Everyone on the front line should have died. Because do you remember when the whites charged? There were so many that they overflowed and they mm-hmm. piled on top. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that people should have survived. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. And I think up until that moment, the long night, I'm like, this is going to be one of the best episodes ever. Like yep. that first, that opening 15 minutes was just perfection. Yeah. The tension's great. The tension's great at the beginning. Oh man. And then before the, tension, the first, the atmosphere. Yeah. And also, yeah, another reason it's my least favorite in the whole show tied with Beyond the Wall is because you're right. Like going into season eight, I mentioned this on our top 10 favorite shows, why Game of Thrones still made my top 10 favorites of all time. Um, but a reason why I wasn't as mad at season eight as a whole is I went in with low expectations after season seven. I was like, There's, this isn't going to be great when they only have six episodes. They already started rushing things. But the one thing I was looking forward to, I was like, the big battle should be great because they got Miguel Sapochnik back, the director who directed Battle of the Bastards. So I was like, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to is like this big climactic battle with the White Walkers. It will at least be well made and well done. And like, even though the story's rushed and a little dumb, it'll be fantastic to experience this big battle. I thought it was going to be like Battle of the Bastards, but with White Walkers. And it's just, it just didn't, it was Mm -hmm. just that much worse. Like that's, it was, I was excited for it and it, and it just was so disappointing. Obviously, the ending, we haven't even talked about how cheesy it is that Arya jumps out of nowhere. Like, it made <sighs> no sense that she just got by all these White Walkers. Oh, she's quiet. Like, she learned how to... People say, like, that's the excuse. Like, she learned how to be quiet when she was training for the Faceless Man. Yeah. Like, like, how did she just do that? Like, she jumps out of nowhere. I think a lot of people say, like, she was disguised as a fucking White Walker or something. That's ridiculous. No. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was... I'm like, th- that would be the only... Lo- that'd be the only logical explanation for how she got in there, though. I mean, if they wanted to do something interesting, they could have done something like that, but they didn't have the time. <laughs> they had to yeah. rush everything. Yeah. yeah. And what's even worse is not how... Ar- the way Arya killed uh, the Night King was obviously bad, but the way the story was resolved in general, it was just so inconsequential. Like, what mm-hmm. happened? Like... Mm-hmm. This is how you wrap it up. Nothing happened. Mm. That's one thing I, I like people were going into season eight, like 
what's the backstory about the white walkers like what's going to be like they wanted and like i knew i i was ready for it to be like anticlimactic like they had six episodes to wrap up the show there's nothing it's nothing more than the white walkers are i thought eating. it was the one thing they did well i thought it was the one thing that they would do well but you continue. thought yeah like it's just like it's just i didn't i wasn't ready for some cool white walker backstory where they do a twist and it's like oh they actually have a good motivation like no they're just dead zombies here to kill everyone like they didn't have time they could have, if they had more episodes, they could have given them an interesting backstory. But no, it's just the Night King looks cool and he's a badass and he's here to kill everyone. Um, yeah. And obviously you said they made him cartoonish, which I agree with too. Like he just smirks and shit. <laughs> yeah. Just that stupid smirk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that grin. Yeah. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this? He's supposed to be like some force of nature with no personality. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, they just made him like this petty fucking cartoon villain like grinning at yeah, John. yeah for sure uh i agree completely yeah I, I think that's a good amount of criticisms but that's that's why we didn't like the last two it's just it was rushed that's the big one for me you yeah. said the details it's kind of the same thing but they rushed everything like they just rushed yeah. it um I, and then yeah um i was gonna ask you what you thought of the bells season eight, oh that, five. that's a good question we can get into that episode the bells i didn't hate it as much as most people um so, but i it's still her Daenerys's turn and decision to burn innocent civilians still pissed me off. Like it just, yeah. it was too rushed. It didn't make enough sense for her to go mad that fast. She was still a pretty level-headed person. Like the fact that she just burned alive innocent people, like that's, you needed 10 episodes that are slow, that are detailed of her in Westeros that slowly shows why she goes crazy, but they didn't have that. It's just yeah. too fast. So, but I still like parts of it. I like the hound in the mountain. Like that was a well, yeah. well shot, cool battle or cool yeah. fight. I know people think it was cheesy. Like, yeah, everyone knew it was going to happen, but it was still fun. <laughs> and uh, I don't hate Jamie's ending as much as most people. Like some people think they totally ruined his character arc. I actually was thinking, uh, everyone thinks he's going to go kill Cersei, but I, I, I had a feeling he might not. Like I still thought he was attached to her, um, but it is pretty stupid that they just die from a building falling on them mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's fitting how they died together yeah I guess. like th- i felt emotion genuinely and it's probably just because Le- lena hetty's such a good actress that's probably yeah. the only reason is the way she starts crying when they're about to die like and yeah. she sees him for the first time after like so like i still liked his scene as a death but in general yes jamie they did kind of ruin his arc um but yeah that episode pretty well made like the fact that they burnt down all king's landing uh, yeah. But it could it could have been better. It's one of those things I was hoping for. Cool, the Golden Army was a waste. They hyped up the Golden Army. They're just done. Like there's it's no reason. Swapped. They they say there's going to be elephants in season seven, and then in season eight, oh sorry, the elephants couldn't come. <laughs> yeah, our budget wasn't quite. After yeah. the long night, our budget wasn't really. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, that wasn't a problem. The budget was insane. That probably yeah, wasn't yeah. an issue, but just yeah. bad writing. Um, yeah, but yeah, sloppy. I think the bells is probably. My second favorite episode of season eight, which doesn't okay. say much. So you enjoyed episode, it, yeah. Episode two is probably my favorite, the best character writing in the whole yeah. show. Yeah. I mean, the whole season. The season. Um, <laughs> the whole show. My favorite part about that episode is probably following, I think following John and Arya, that episode was really entertaining, despite the um, the circumstances like were hard to believe. It's like, eh, yeah. Well, like, there's, a rush, a, I think, there a, there's a good one take of following Arya, isn't there? Like something yeah. like that? Yeah. That was a good... And I think just watching innocents get slaughtered too. Yeah. That enough. was really, it was really hard to watch. It yeah. was like, yeah, it was devastating. And seeing I, I John, 
seeing John and Arya just trying to save everyone. It was like, I, I, I got choked up a lot during that episode. Yeah. In terms of the filmmaking, I, I agree with you. It was pretty fascinating to watch how well made that was. But it's just the logic of Daenerys doing it still pissed me off that I yep. couldn't, I can't put it that high. <laughs> like, it's my second favorite this season. I'd probably have episode two as my favorite. Probably episode four as my second favorite. I don't know if you remember episode four. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes with Tyrion and Varys talking. And it's like, it's, it's not as good as the first four seasons. No shit, but... It's, it's at least they had some interesting dialogue where you're interested in what they're saying and the way they're plotting. Some of the stuff makes no sense, but it, it was just more interesting to me. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because a lot of people say The Last of the Starks, that's the name of the episode. A yeah. lot of people say that is the worst episode of season eight because yeah. of the ambush on Danny. Yeah. But the first half is some of the, like, along with episode two, that is the best character writing in the whole season. Yeah, like, yeah they like have you said, everyone mourning. They're all mourning what happened in the battle. And it's actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's all in Winterfell. And there's isn't there a scene with like Tormund, like hammered with John? And they're yeah. Like, they're having a good time. With Jamie. Like, with Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like Tormund's a good, we haven't even mentioned Tormund. He's a great, like, he's yeah. a good comic relief character. Very funny guy. But um, He has like the beer, the beer is like all in his fucking beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just there's some fun stuff in episode four. And yeah, I agree. The Euron attack is really stupid. Like Danny yeah. should have seen ships coming. Like and the yeah. fact that she doesn't just burn them and all the like. Yeah, it was a little stupid. But and I thought um a really underrated moment in the show in terms of like just how tense it was. I think when um Bron came and confronted Jamie and Tyrion, I was shitting myself, dude. Yeah, yeah, Bron. That's a good scene. Yep. Yeah when he confronts him with a crossbow and i'm like right, i yeah. genuinely thought i'm like one of these guys might die and yeah. then um they don't <laughs> and another uh i'll point out one more thing um i don't know if you saw there was that scene with the starbucks cup yeah on yeah, the table. yeah, 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 yeah. that just became a meme that was that was t- i don't understand how they couldn't notice that <laughs> that's brutal yeah. like especially while editing all the editors on that show like yeah wow um okay well that's 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 a good amount of criticism um yep so we, we divided that well where we, we gave the show a good amount of praise in the first part. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll just end. I have a few quick questions that are fun. So I guess better villain, Joffrey or Ramsey. You already said Joffrey, right? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with Joffrey. So I agree I agree with that, Joffrey. Um, and I kind of explained why. It's like the fact that he's dumb makes him more interesting. Yeah, like, um, he's so unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what and he's going to do. Impulsive. Yeah. Um, um just a random thought we haven't talked much about Sansa what do you think of Sansa like I hear like a lot of people hate her a lot of people like Sansa like did you like Sansa most yeah yeah so like on like my third rewatch I think it was I was debating whether she was like the most likable character in the show oh I I sympathize with her so much and it just like I mean in season one she's kind of she sucks Um, yeah (laughs) well she's just like and you can kind of understand she's just like this this naive little yeah. girl that yeah. has like she's so ignorant and has no idea what the real world is like and yeah. she gets a rude awakening when she yeah. goes to king's landing and i think how could she have known you know like obviously she was naive but like mm. you just sympathize with her she has like the hardest journey on the show for me my favorite sansa scene in the whole show um is in season four and it's the one where after after Littlefinger killed lisa aaron like pushed her through the the moon door um there's that scene in the next episode where like they confront Sansa and she knows what happened and you think she might like rat out Littlefinger but then she lies and like she plays the game well and she starts crying and she goes like no she jumped herself like that was my favorite Sansa scene in the whole show yeah um I would say I probably don't like her as much as you but I I actually liked her a good amount like the thing is later on (laughs) so much of the drama in the show becomes 
petty later on. So obviously, yeah. like, she's one of the more petty characters in season seven and eight. I'm like, I don't care for her character at all then. But like, yeah, yeah. seasons, I think the first first three seasons, yeah, first four seasons, probably. Yeah, yeah. I liked her in season six too when she when she reunites and with five John. And six. When she reunites with John, she's pretty strong in that season, and she brings. She's the one who brought Littlefinger and and the met the what are they called the Knights of the Vale? That's what they're called. Yeah, I almost said the Men of the Vale. <laughs> I was yeah, like, that sounds vale. wrong. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, that's a, that's good. So then this is another question, just a fun one. I I don't even know if I have an answer for this, but worst scene in the show. Like, if there's just one scene that really pisses you off, makes you the most angry, do you have an answer for that? Oh, easily. I don't yeah. remember the the girl from Dorne. Uh, you oh, need a, you need a. What the fuck was the line? It was the most cringeworthy line in probably the history of the show. Something about bad pussy. <laughs> about bad pussy. She's like, you yeah. need a good girl, but you want this bad pussy. Yeah. yeah that's Me and my brother talk about how that's the worst scene of all time. That's terrible stuff. We didn't even mention Dorn. Um, I actually, I've been, oh, pretty, I've been pretty good with not mentioning the books, but um, like I haven't mentioned the books in a while, but that's why people hate Dorn so much in my opinion is that they're actually good in the books. Like there's a lot of Dornish characters that are interesting. And then in the show, they're just so bad. Like, uh, all the sand snakes. Yeah. 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 Then this is a good question I have. So what, what do you think is the funniest scene in the whole show? Might be hard for you to think of this, but funniest scene in the whole show. Um, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Um, probably the funniest scene in the show that comes to mind. Just off the top, there's so many great moments in the show. But uh, I think uh, Walder Frey was introducing Rob to all his daughters right and he got to the last one he's like uh this is waldra right walda <laughs> she's like name. and she's like i'm mary he's like fine <laughs> yeah the, the way he says fine is pretty good <laughs> yeah that's a good scene <laughs> yeah that guy sucks but he, yeah that's moments like that are hilarious and also yeah. like when later in that scene they capped it off perfectly when uh, one of the one of the older ladies is just staring at the blackfish and he quickly averts his eyes. Like he yeah. quickly turns away. <laughs> That's a good pick too. Those are, yeah, I have two scenes I'd say for this. For funniest scenes, I think they're both in season three, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, mm-hmm. First one is really small, but it's there's a small council meeting where they're, they come in and Tyrion comes in late and everyone's just silent the whole time, and it's just silence, and Tyrion drags the chair. <laughs> I just really like that scene. It's just yeah. so awkward, and, like, the way he drags the chair, just all this silence, and then they start the meeting, and then he moves it again, like, once slightly. It's just, that's up there. And then another, this is probably my, I think, hands down the funniest. Like, that one was close, but for me, the funniest scene in the show is um, Tyrion and Bronn. Uh, they send Podrick to the to like to some whores, and then he and then he comes back with the money, <laughs> and they're like, "What? They gave you the time for free? Like, <laughs> it's just such a good scene." Tyr- Tyrion starts pouring wine. He's like, "We need details." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's such a funny scene. Um, I could, I could probably name ten. I could probably name thirty Tyrion moments that during the conversation yeah. for like yeah. funniest scene in the show. Yeah. I wish I could just talk. We don't have much time left, but I wish I could yeah. just talk about that forever. I agree. I'll just say one line I really like is um in terms of Tyrion scenes when I forget the name of this guy, but there's a guy he's he's screwing over in King's Landing, and he's like, um, "I'm not, I'm not questioning your honor. I'm denying its existence." <laughs> it's just yeah. such a mic drop moment. Like I forget which guy yeah. it is, but he really pisses the guy off. It's just such a good line. Um, Okay. What season is that? I think it's season two when he's the hand. Of the okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So this last question I have, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, this isn't really a funny one. This is just more like a contemplative one. But 
how long do you think the show would have needed for a satisfying ending? Because, like, everyone agrees it was rushed. So, like, what do you think in terms of seasons and episodes, how long it would have needed for it to actually have a good ending? So I think they could have made it work with season seven and eight being ten episodes. But I think ultimately um, nine episodes – I mean, uh, nine seasons, all ten episodes each – yeah. I think that would have been the perfect... Um, so you, you think even an extra season, like nine seasons yeah. instead of eight, and all of them being ten? Yeah. That's a good that way. Yeah. That way you can flesh out um, Cersei's story, and you can flesh out, uh, obviously, the battle against the army of the dead. Like, yeah. that needed yeah. to be fleshed out way more than it was. Yeah. And there's, like, obviously, like, I don't read the books, but there's, like, <clears throat> a lot of the lore didn't get introduced in the show. Yeah. I know a lot of book readers yeah. were upset about that. So like I think yeah. It could have been a lot more fleshed out. Yeah, I would agree with that. Seasons. I'd say that I'd say they could have made it work with seven and eight just being ten. Um, right. I feel like if they did that, they would just structure it pretty simply, where like season seven would just be Daenerys versus Cersei, um, and they, they that should have been wrapped up. Like that's another thing I really disliked about season seven. Like at the end of season six, when Daenerys comes at the end across the sea, and you see how many people she has in that last scene, like she's got everyone on her side everyone's thinking Cersei's fucked like that's it like and then in season seven they just come up with all these excuses where like to weaken Daenerys just to make it more even and it's Mm -hmm. like I think if they had a full season of just like Daenerys really she went she comes out on top in the end but like Cersei puts up a good fight it's just a full season of that like if if Tyrion was actually as smart as he should have been there's like just good strategy when he comes to Dragonstone with her it's slow they make their moves Cersei starts panicking like her and Jamie have a bit of good strategy here and there and they just take their time with it and it's just a good battle for King's Landing and Daenerys comes out on top and she gets rid of them somehow yeah Jamie, Jamie might survive but Cersei will probably die and then season eight they just 10 episodes and it's all about the battle versus the dead that, that, yeah. that could have worked or like even if like Cersei doesn't die in the end of season seven they yeah. could I don't want to say they end peacefully but they could say come to some kind of agreement yeah agreement yeah. it ends tragically a lot of people die a lot of people that we yeah. love die but they're like no we got to focus on what's important yeah and that's, so i agree yeah, yeah season seven and eight if they were 10 but i but i also agree with you having an extra like the ninth season that would have really like just it's just the pace was ridiculous like when you look at the early seasons the best seasons the first four seasons the pace is really slow like it's a really slow moving show like all of season four yeah. aria is just with the hound like that's it they just walk around Arya and the Hound is just walking around with the Hound for a full season. And then, like, you look at season seven and eight, and people are going from the wall to dragons. Like, it's just, like, they don't take their time with the little moments of just people walking and having conversations. And that's really something I didn't like, for sure. I agree. Okay, yeah, so that that about wraps it up. I feel like we went pretty in-depth with uh, our Game of Thrones talk. Um, This is our first time doing a deep dive, so hopefully we'll get better at these as we go, make them more organized here and there. but. Uh, we, we, we talked about a lot, so um, I hope people, I hope fans of Game of Thrones enjoyed what we were talking about. Um, we did go pretty in-depth, um, and yeah, our, our next, not 100% sure what our next deep dive will be, but it'll definitely be one of the shows we talked about in our top 10 list, so if people haven't seen that episode, highly recommend you check that out. Um, we talk about our top 10 favorites of all time, um, so there'll be another, another deep dive coming out for our next episode, but thanks, thanks to anyone thanks. who tuned in um to this second episode of tv sessions we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time